Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He has shown you, oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? You may want to underscore that. What does the Lord require of you? Okay, God, Lord, what do you require of me? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So number one, number one, the first action that the Lord requires of us is to do justly, to do justly. Now, what does it mean? I mean, what does it mean to do justly? Well, to do justly means to, to act and behave in a just manner, to act and behave in a just manner. Behaving in a just manner includes treating people fairly, treating people fairly in an even-handed manner, in an even-handed manner, treating people fairly without showing favoritism, without bringing prejudice, without having no self-interest, giving favor because they're family, but, but just being fair across the board. The Lord requires of us, for you and for, for, for me, to live life in a just fashion. You may say, you know what? I really don't want to because in this life that I have lived, um, I have approached a judge and, and, and justice hasn't, hasn't been served. And I, I, and I, I haven't received just from my supervisor. I, I didn't receive um, a just behavior from him, and, and I just don't want to, to give it out. But we have to because the Lord requires of us. But then we'll say, what about that person and that person and everybody, for the matter of fact, everybody? You know what? We leave all those people to the Lord. Just like what, 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 what Peter said, Lord, what about him? And the Lord says, oh, my Peter. Oh, my mijo Peter. No, no, focus your attention on me, not about him. I will take care of him. I'm Lord. Remember that? You are not Lord. I'm Lord. I'll take care of him. But, but for you, for me and my house, for, for you, I desire and I want you. It's a commandment, not a suggestion, that you will be living in a just manner to all mankind. And the fact is, the, the truth is, is true. We all want it to, to be treated justly, don't we? You and I, we all want to be treated justly. And so we ought to treat others justly as well because God does require of it. No, no questions about it. God does require it. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 21, verse 3, Proverbs chapter 21, verse 3 says, to do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Because we could say, oh, Lord, I sacrifice for you, Lord. Oh, Lord, every day I sacrifice for you. And the Lord says, oh, I see your sacrifice. That's wonderful. But what about this justice? Are you showing justice? Are, are you showing favoritism in your work? Are you treating one person better than the other? Oh, we are called to treat everybody equal. Why? Because people are made in the image of God. Yeah, even that secretary or even that co-worker, to, to show favoritism and, 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 and is, is not of the Lord. And, and we're not to have self-interest. We, we are to behave ourselves in a just manner. Being just in our dealings does demonstrate that we take our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ seriously. So when we live out being just as the Lord requires of us, as it says clearly, what does the Lord require of you? To do justice. 
when, when we live this out, it does reflect the heart of the Lord and we are taking our walk with Christ seriously. And this is what the Lord requires of us. It just does. So if you want to know, what does the Lord require of me? He wants us to, to live in, in a just fashion. Secondly, number two, we see this also in verse eight. The second action that the Lord requires of us is to love mercy, is to love mercy. Someone who loves mercy is a person that is thankful for the mercy that God has extended to them. And we're thankful because we love mercy. We're like, yes, I love mercy. Oh, give me mercy. Shower me with mercy, Lord. And the Lord does because being merciful is the heart of God. Sometimes people want to wonder, what is God like? God is love. We know that. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We know that. God, God loves us. God is gracious, you know, um, uh, lavishing his infinite um, ill um, love and, and um, his goodness to the infinite ill-deserving people. So God has lavished his love on us. God is also merciful to us. Mercy. Mercy is defined as not receiving what you really deserve. And we really deserve to, to be separated from a holy, loving God, but God so loved us, he, he sent his son as a sacrifice, and when we embrace the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord over our, our, our life, he has forgiven us. And, um, and, and, so, and then daily, what the Lord does, he, he showers us with his mercy. His, his mercy is renewed for us each and every single day. And so as we, we love mercy, we love God's mercy. We love God's mercy, and with the mercy that the Lord has given to us, not given us us what we rightly deserve, we are now to to channel that mercy and, and give it out and be um, and give it out to other people, and, and give it out to the people. Now, who are we to give it out to for the people that don't deserve it? That's what mercy is, and and there's a lot of people you may think that you know they don't deserve mercy, they deserve condemnation. You know what they deserve? I'll tell you what they deserve. And we could think of a lot of things that they deserve. But God has been merciful to us, church. God has been merciful to us. And the Lord requires of us to be merciful, to, to love upon them. But you don't know what they did to me. You don't know how they gossip about me. Yeah, they, 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 you're there in the corner and they're, and, they're, and they're doing their work. And you think that they're doing their work. They're not doing, they're not doing their work. They're talking about me. That's what they're doing. And, and I don't want to show them mercy. Oh, the Lord has shown you mercy. And what the Lord requires of us, requires of us. And so as we love upon them, as we show mercy upon them, the Lord redeems that. The Lord redeems that, touches their conscience, touches their heart. And they start to think, wow, you know what? I'm not too nice with them. And, um, and, and their response is always kindness and love. And, and yes, it is difficult. Anyone knows it is difficult. But that's what the Lord requires of us. So no wonder why we need to bow our knee before the Lord and say, Lord, I need a drink in your mercy. Because this person, they, they need an extra dose of, of mercy. So, you know, I shower your, your mercy. I take in your mercy, Lord. It's a shard upon me because I really do need, need to give it out. God does require us to be merciful people. The Bible says in the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 7, Matthew, chapter 5, verse 7 says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. You see, that's a promise from the Lord. This is a, the beatitudes. It's an attitude that needs to be in people's lives. This, is, this way of thinking needs to shape our thinking and, and, um, and um, propel our heart to, to live out this way. God says, blessed are you, or happy are you. The word blessed means happy. So happy are you when you choose. It's a, it's a decision of the will, not a decision of the emotion. It's a decision of the will and saying, and I'm going to be merciful. 
because I have obtained mercy from the Lord. And so that's what the Lord requires of us. He requires us to be just people. He requires us to be merciful. And, and so the Lord is, is um, to show mercy because the Lord is merciful. And when we do that, we are truly reflecting the heart of God. Number three, the, the, number three, the, the third action that the Lord requires of us, we also see this in the book of Micah, chapter six, verse eight. The third requirement that the Lord um, would have for us is to walk humbly with God. This is so important, to walk humbly with God. To walk with God, to walk humbly with God, it, it, it means to walk in his ways, to walk in his ways, to have daily fellowship with him, to walk in his ways and to have daily fellowship with him. Now, how do we go about doing this? How do we, we humbly walk with God? Well, we humbly walk with God when we realize of who he is and who we are. That he is God Almighty, the creators of the heavens and earth, the one that spoke the world in existence, the one that formed us when we were in our mother's womb, the, the one that says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts of good, thoughts of peace, to give you hope in the future, the one that says, uh, you, my thoughts towards you outnumber all the little particles, um, the, the, the sand upon the beaches in the whole world. That's who I am. I'm a merciful God. I'm a loving God. I'm, I'm a God of justice. And, and I want you to walk humbly with me. And I've learned. I've learned when we walk with God, his attributes, his traits start becoming our attributes, start becoming our traits as we're walking with him. We're having communion with him. We're having fellowship with him. We're called to be like a Enoch and like a Noah and, and walk with God. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 5, verse 24, Genesis 5, 24 says, Enoch walked with God. And that speaks about a daily walk. It speaks about having a walk without a hesitation. So it's a constant walk. It's constant fellowship. It's, 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 it's being mindful of the presence of God. In the Bible, in the, in the book of Genesis chapter 6, verse 9, we are informed that Noah walked with God. And by the way, our brother Noah, he walked with God in an ungodly time period. And we can walk with God in our ungodly time period that we live in. And walking with God, despite what takes place on the outside in our society. So we daily say, Lord, this is the day that you have made. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to rejoice. And I'm going to praise you in this. And the Lord extends his hand. says, take my hand and walk with me. It's a fellowship. It's a fellowship. And we guard that relationship, that boundary that we have with the Lord. Seek ye first his kingdom. Him, we seek first his kingdom. That was the mission of Jesus. If you wonder what was Jesus all about, Jesus' mission is to, was communion with his father. I'm here to go about my father's business, Jesus said. To walk with God. Jesus, he had communion with the Lord. He talked with the Lord in prayer. And so a prayer is just a, a conversation with God. And so we're communing with God. We're talking with God. And so we are called to humbly walk with God. And as we walk with God, here's a, here's a little tough part in walking with God. We're to trust him and where he takes us. And he guides us. And he knows the better road for us to walk with him. There's a, a, a group, some of you know, back in the 80s, um, a musical group called The Cry, a Christian band. They have this song called Take My Hand and Walk. And it speaks about that. It speaks about walking with him in the storm. But no, 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 I want to walk with him when the sunlight. I want to walk with him on the beach. I want to walk with him when it's just so nice and so pleasant, so beautiful. That's when I want to walk with him. The Lord says, no, I want to walk with you. Take my hand and walk through the valley too. But, but it's scary. It's insecuring. 
oh yeah, and during that time period, you know what's going to happen? It will be a natural tendency for you just to commune with me, to flock with me. You jump in my arms, actually, and, and I carry you. You're walking with me. And as you are walking with me, you're hearing my heartbeat for you. And my ways are now becoming your ways. Take my hand and walk. And the Lord wants us to, to walk with him. And as we walk with God, we must follow his lead and say, not my will or my want, but your will be done. I'm going to heal. I'm going to heal. But heal in my way. I'm going to restore, but I'm going to restore in my way. No, I don't want you to restore in your way. I want you to restore in my way, God. Yes, that's what I want. God, God's ways is higher than our ways. And we are called to walk even when we don't understand. When we're confronted with situations we don't understand, we fall back on what we do understand. And what do we understand? We understand that God, my God will never leave me nor forsake me. We understand that God is ever present with me. And so we walk with God. And so what does God require of us? God requires of us that we be just people. God requires us that, that we be merciful people. And God requires of us that we walk humbly with him. Humbly, hum, humbly with him. That's what he requires of us. Now, we're going to shift gears here, and we're going to be looking at a different book, and, and this verse will be on the screen. Um, it's in the book of Ecclesiastes, in the book of Ecclesiastes, and we're going to learn the fourth and fifth action that the Lord requires of us. Today, we're going to only examine eight. So in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, verse 13, we're going to, to, to learn two more of the actions of the, what the Lord requires of us. And again, this verse will be on the screen. What the Lord requires of us, according to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12 of verse 13. And by the way, the, the writer of the book of Ecclesiastes, his name is Solomon. You may be wondering, who is Solomon? Solomon? You know who Solomon is? Solomon is the writer of the book of Ecclesiastes as well as the book of Proverbs. And, and he, is, he writes of, of, um, from the perspective of being full of wisdom. And in fact, in, in the book of um, Ecclesiastes, um, chapter 12, that, that's, the, that's the, the last um, a chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes, and, and, and Solomon um, is one that has lived life, um, and he's older at, at this time period, and, and he has the experience in life, and um, he has done it, and, and he has experienced everything. Any Anything that, the, a behavior trait that a man would, would desire in life, um, Solomon has lived it. Money, Solomon's like, earn all the money. Pleasure, done that. And, and you can name it, what, what, whatever, whatever that mankind here upon the face of the earth desires to achieve or pursue or think they could be satisfied in, Solomon was there. And he's at the other end of the bridge now. And, and what he says at the, 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 the last um, letter of, of this book of Ecclesiastes, what he says is, he says, here is the conclusion of the matter. Here's what really matters in life. When it's all said and done. It's not about the pleasures. It's not about the fun. It's not about any of that. What really matters, here's a conclusion of it. Bottom line, this is it. That we as mankind, we're called to fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the duty of all, of all, A-L-L, of all mankind. This is the duty. This is the responsibility, if you will. 
This is the requirement of the Lord, if you will, for us. What does the Lord require to us? He wants us to fear him and keep his commandment. So the fourth action that the Lord requires of us is to fear God. Is to fear God. To fear God is to have an absolute reverence and an awe for the almighty Lord who is the creator of all things. And when we are in awe of God, it causes us not to be in sin, that we don't purposely, willfully desire to sin. Why? Because we love the Lord more than sin, that we have this relationship with God. We're in awe of him, that he would love us and and save us and, and give us his word and place his spirit inside of us, give us the hope of heaven, give us a church family. He's done so much and and, and in his majesty and in his holiness that we can have a relationship with him, that we can know him and know his ways and, and know his heart and we're called to be in awe of him. And that's what the Lord wants. The Lord wants us to be in awe of him. And that's what fear is. Fear is not like you're, you're, you're to be afraid of him. I remember growing up, um, I had an older brother. And some of you, you know, you had older brothers. And uh, a trait of older brothers is sometimes to um, scare you. Have <laughs> you ever had an older brother that just liked to scare you? And so, um, so my older, older brother, you know what he did to me? I'll tell you what he did to me. Still bothered by it to this day. Um, he used to tell me when we used to, uh, we, we, shared a, we shared a room. Uh, I grew up in a, a two, two um Two bedroom home, so all three of us we, we stayed in one room. So he would turn off the light. As he turned off the light, you know what he say? He would say, "Joseph." It's like what? That cuckoo he's gonna get you. <laughs> <laughs> so I would jump out of bed, <clears throat> run to my mom. Mom, mom, mom. Who's the cuckooey? <laughs> Okey says he's gonna come get me. And I would be afraid, and, and just uh, and then just crawl up um, next to her and, and sleep in her bed. God is not a cuckooey. Um, <laughs> we're to be in awe of him, his holiness. The book of Isaiah speaks about that. Chapter 6, how the angels come before him, and they're so in awe of him. And as they're in awe of him, the natural response of being in awe of the Lord is worship. In the book of Revelation, when, when uh, we get to heaven, we're going to observe that and know that um, our beloveds that are in heaven, they're seeing this with their eye. They're seeing people worship the Lord day and night. The angels worship him. They're observing that with their own eyes. When you're in awe of the Lord, it produces worship. You want to be a worshipful for person? Be in awe of the Lord. How do I be in awe of the Lord? Learn of who the Lord is, his godliness, his holiness, his purity. Learn of who he is, his, the attributes of God. That's what it's called. And you'll be in awe of him. And when we fear God or we're in awe of God, what it does, it develops in us to have solid convictions that we don't live compromising life. So you may say, I know someone that, that compromises on a regular basis. I'll just show you someone that's not in awe of God. Or you say, um, I know somebody that has convictions for the Lord. I'll show you someone that's in awe of God. And and God wants us to be in awe of him. And when we are in awe of God and we have that fear of the Lord, you know what also does? It causes us to live life here with wisdom. 
with wisdom. People want to have a life filled with wisdom. They don't want to make poor decisions in this world because this poor decisions not only affects us, it affects our family members and, and other people. In the book of Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if you want to be a person of wisdom, the way that occurs is that we have the fear of the Lord or we're in awe of him. Now, the fifth, the fifth action that the Lord requires of us is to keep his commandments. We, we also see this in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 2, to fear God and to keep his commandments. And to keep his commandments requires knowledge of his word. We can't keep something that we are not aware of, right? And so we are to have the knowledge of, the, of this word. So that's why it's important to, to study, to show ourselves the perfect workmen that need not to be ashamed of, of the word, of the scripture. So, so we can't have a relationship that, that if we don't know them. You want to have a deep relationship with somebody? You want to get deep and just kind of the, the, um, the underbelly of a person to really get to know them? Learn about them. Learn about them. Start, start when they were born. Where were you born? Who were you born to? And start there and just start you know, progressing forward and get to know them. All the dynamics about their, their, their life. You get to know them. They get to know you. You, 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 you. you connect with them intellectually, emotionally, spiritually. Those are the three components to have a very healthy relationship in this world. You, you, you connect with them. You want to really get to know God. Know God through his word. Know God through this world. The earth declares my glory. You want to know how God is so glorious and so magnificent and so um, full of his majesty? See the heavens, how the earth declares the glory of God. And so, so, so God requires us to know him. And, and to know him, then we can know what he, what he requires of us. So to keep his commandment requires knowledge of his word and a willingness, also a willingness to do what God tells us to do, even if we don't feel like it. And it's a willingness. It, it's called to, we're called to be a disciple of his. A disciple means to be a student. That's what the, the word disciple means. It means to be a student of scripture, a, a student of the, uh, of the Savior. You see these, these words? The, these, are, these are words, right? The, the Bible um, is composed of 66 books, the, the Bible. The B-I-B-L-E, the Bible. So, so we have the Bible, right? And, and, and these Bibles, the, the, these words in this, in, in this Bible, these are words that come from a person that we love. And, and because we love a person, we want to obey their words. It's like, like kids. Ho hopefully, the, the kids love their parents. <laughs> hopefully, right? <laughs> and, and so hopefully that they will obey the words of their parent, whatever their words that proceed out of their mouth. Because you love the person, and therefore you want to obey their words. We love the, the personal Lord Jesus Christ, and therefore we want to obey his word. And so, to, so to, 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 to know the Lord is to know his word, and to know his word is to be obedient to, to his word. And know that God's commandments, as we're called, we're required. This is what the Lord wants us to see clearly. What the Lord wants for us is to keep his commandments. Now, commandments, I don't know, but for me, they, they sound like, Harsh. They, they sound like they're, they're, they're stone like rules and regulations we have to follow. But you know what the Bible says in the book of 1 John chapter 5, verse 3? The Bible says that his commandments are not burdensome. In the book of 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, that his commandments or his ways, it's not burdensome. They're not like a weight like upon our back, like, oh, I can't do this. There's no way. And then we live in frustration. 
No, with the, the ways of the, the, the Lord and his word, it's not frustration, it's love. His words is like a honeycomb to us. It's sweet to our taste. His words is a delight that we take in. And because it, his ways are perfect, and even if we don't like it, we yield to it because his ways are not our ways. And know by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can live out what Christ says and truly become Christ-like. Why are we here upon the face of the earth? Why, why are we living? Well, you know what the scripture says, that we are here to live, to become Christ-like, to become formed to the image of Christ. According to Romans chapter 8, verse 29, we are here to be conformed to the image of Christ. So what is the Lord doing in your life? He's conforming you. He's molding you. He's shaping you. He's doing a little tweaking here, a little tweaky there. And with some of you, he's doing a lot of tweaking all over. Why? Why? Because the work that he started, he's going to complete it. He's more molding you to become Christ-like. What does it mean to become Christ-like? It's to reflect the fruit of the Spirit. The, to be more like and to reflect the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is for other people. Fruit is always for other people. You know that. Some of you know that. You know your neighbor, they have that fruit tree, and you're always climbing over that wall. <laughs> and then your dog, Snowball, rats you out. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. I'll get you one too. <laughs> fruit is for other people. And so we live out God's word. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we're, we're able to carry these, these, these words out. They're not lost, they're love. And we love the person that these words that come, come out of. Now, we're going to switch gears again, and, and we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21. And we're going to learn the sixth action that the Lord requires from us. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. And we're going to learn of the sixth action and what the Lord requires of us. The Lord requires of us. The Lord requires of us that we would love justice, right? The Lord requires of us that we would love mercy. The Lord requires of us that we will walk humbly before the Lord. The Lord requires of us that we would fear God or be in awe of God. The Lord requires of us that we will keep his word and keep his commandments. Now, next, what the Lord requires of us. This is really important. Number six, what does the Lord require of us? We see this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. These are the words of Jesus. Jesus says, do not lay up for yourself, for yourselves treasures on earth. Because that's what man does. Man lays up treasures for themselves on earth. Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Here it is. Underscore this. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The sixth action that the Lord requires of us is to lay our treasures in heaven. In heaven. Jesus. Jesus challenges us to, to make a choice. To gather, to gather things for the here and now. And he says, that's not wise. That's sad. Or you have a choice because the Lord has given us a free will. He doesn't get us with our arm and kind of put an arm behind your back and say, you better, you better. 
No, it gives us that free will. It says, or you have the opportunity. This is what I want from you. That you would invest, that you would lay up treasures in heaven. And when you lay up treasures in heaven, you're investing in the kingdom of God and it pays rich dividends always, always. And when we invest and when we invest our resources in God's kingdom, our heart will be pulled in that direction. When we invest in God's kingdom, our heart will be naturally pulled in, in that direction. And know that the key of living a life of generosity is having a heart that delights in the Lord. You delight in the Lord. You delight in the Lord, and he has your heart. So how do we practically offer our treasures in heaven? How do we practically offer our treasures in heaven? We do so by offering the Lord what I call the three T's. What I call the three T's. To lay our treasures in heaven means that we offer the three T's. The first T. The first T is time. Lord, this time is your time. Time is precious. We only have a certain amount of time. And so, Lord, this time, I want to redeem the time for these days are evil. Lord, this is your time. I give my time to you. Secondly, number two, the second T, we offer our talents. Our talents. What has the Lord has gifted you to do or called you to do? Do it. Do it for his honor. He's giving you that. Take the ball and run, dude. Run, 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 Forrest, run. You know, just keep, keep running forward. What talents that he has given you, go for it. Go for it. Make a, make a dent in this, in this world. Make a difference in this world for God. What talent has he given you? And number three, obviously, our treasures. What treasures has he given to you? What treasures has he given to you? You give it up to the Lord. Now, we're going to see in, in Matthew chapter 22, Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, we're going to learn, we're going to learn the seventh action. There's two more. This is the seventh action that the Lord requires of us. What does the Lord require of us? So we can see clearly. So by the time we, we end our time in the word of God and we leave our auditorium, we leave our sanctuary, and this, this auditorium has been turned into a sanctuary to honor God, we're going to leave with clear marching orders. We're going to see very clearly what the Lord requires of us. And I encourage you, Write this stuff down. If you are in, in the social world, and post it. Because I believe that, that people in the body of Christ, God says, my people perish without, because of lack of knowledge. They don't know what, what God requires of them. I'm one where, where um, I love sports. Some of you guys like sports too. You know, coach, give me the ball and tell me where to run. I'll run. <laughs> go that way. Okay, cool. Let's go that way. Jesus says, this is what is required of you. Go do it. I'm like, gotcha. I got it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of simple in that way. Just tell me what's required of me, and I'm good to go. And so, so this is the seventh action that the Lord requires of us. So number seven, Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, not half your heart. Notice that? With all your heart. You can't flirt with the Lord. If you flirt with society, that's flirting, that's flirting against the Lord. You can't kiss the tip of the spear that pierced Jesus in the side. You can't have two, two gods. You can't do that. So love the Lord with all your heart. Don't give God only a part of your heart because he didn't give a part of his heart. He gave his whole heart to you, right? And with all your soul and with all your mind, this is the first and great commandment. The second is like, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And we all know we love ourselves. <laughs> you know you do. Okay. We're going to take a group picture right now. I just like, that would be cool, huh? So 
if we have, we, we have the ability to do this. So if I have the ability to take a group picture, boom. And we send it to our CG de department back there. And then they post it on the, the, on, um, on the screen. Guess who the first person you're going to look for? And don't say me. Me, me, me. It's you. You love yourself. You know you do. We love ourselves. We're to love God and then love our neighbors. So the seventh action is to, to love the Lord, your God, uh, love your God and, uh, and love others. In the book of 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 says, we love him because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. Christianity, we're called Christians, right? So we say Christianity. Christianity is all about responding to God's initial love for us. His initial love. He got the ball rolling, folks. He's the one that had that goo-goo eyes towards you first. Not towards him. We were in our sin. We were doing our own thing. And God says, I love you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap my love around you by sending my son. And I'm going to wrap my robe of righteousness. You all have robes. You don't even see. You do. I see you guys with robes. You're wrapped with a robe of righteousness, the Christ righteousness. And he loved you while you were still in your sin. He sent his son to die upon the cross. And, and so we respond to his love. We're like, you love me? Our Lord, I love you. Why would you want to love someone like me? But he does. He likes you too. So God loves us. He likes us. And with the love that he pours in our life, it's that love that we love other people. We love other people from the overflow of the love that the Lord loves us. I have a cup here. What's up, cup? So this cup, if, if I had a pitcher of water, and I, I had somebody, if I had Brother Jesse standing right there, and then I get this pitcher of water, and it just fills up, and then it goes with overflow, that water is going to go on, on, on Brother Jesse. Brother Jesse's still right there. The Lord is pouring his love on me. And the overflow of that love from him is now poured on him. And, and we're to love our neighbors, to love our supervisors, to, to love that neighbor literally next door to us, across the street from us, to, to love that family member. You're like, oh, why did you say that? I'm cool about my neighbor. But my family? You don't know my family. You don't know my family. I think my, my, my cousin, I think she's related to Satan somehow. <laughs> you don't know her. She's evil, man. Love her. Love her, love her, love her, for they know not what they do. Christianity is all about responding, all about responding. And we love others. We love others. And what does love look like? What is practical? What does love look like? We can say love others. What does that mean? What does, it, what does it look like? Well, I love that Paul gives us a description of what it looks like. We, we have a measuring rod, if you will. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, we, we have components of what love should be. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 says, love is patient, so you're patient with people. Love is kind. I don't want to be kind. I want to be rude to them. No, love is kind. No, I want to be rude. But love is kind. Lo love is not jealous. 
So when they get the promotion or they get something or they get the new car, or they get the, the new this or new that, love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It, it does not demand its own way. It's, it's, not, it's not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wrong. Now, that's a hard one. That's love. Love is that I don't keep records. And we do keep records. And God help us with, with that. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins. We love truth. We love, we love truth. And love never gives up. Love never, 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 never ends. We're called to love. And that's what love looks like. We're, 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 we're called to love. Finally. I know you like that word. <laughs> Finally, in the book of Matthew, again, chapter 28, verse 19. We're going to learn that eighth action that the Lord requires of us. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. This is the eighth action that the Lord requires of us. The last chapter of Matthew. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. Don't forget that last part. I am with you always to the end of the age. God is with you to the very end. People may walk out in your life. The Lord will never walk out in your life. It's important to know that. So the eighth action that the Lord requires of you is to make disciples. Very clear. So how do we go about making disciples? You know how we go about making disciples? It's laid out there in Matthew chapter 20, verse 19. It's very clear. The way we make disciples is that we teach them to observe everything that the Lord has taught us. You, you can't give what you don't have. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, it says, For I received from the Lord for which I also deliver to you. So, so we, we teach others. And by us teaching others, we're discipling them. So what do we learn? Well, today we learned eight requirements from the Lord that you share with somebody else. Find somebody. Find a Timothy if you were like, who's Timothy? Is he on social media? No, you know, in the Bible, there's a Paul and there's a Timothy that we're, we're called to, to find someone to pour, pour, pour into, to, to pour into. So you could share, hey, you know, in church today, I, I learned what God really requires of us. So you, you, you teach others what you learn. That's discipleship. And, and that you don't only teach what, what you learn verbally, but also, too, you have them follow your, your actions. So let's make it our mission. As, as we see clearly, as we see, as we see clearly in 2020, 2020, seeing clearly, the godly lessons that the Lord has taught us, let's teach it to other people. Amen.